Women in Leadership brought to you by Heron Code, the management consultancy for what happens next. For more information, you can visit heroncode.com. In this podcast, we will be talking to female leaders of today to inspire the leaders of tomorrow. I've always really liked that I could do things my way. Mm. And I've also really liked if I could get other people to do it their way Mm. and not try to force it. And I think that's been a big part of being a leader and being successful at it is kind of not trying to impose your style on others. I learned something there that has benefited me for the rest of my career. Mm -hmm. And it's this actually making people feel wanted. Mm -hmm. And that was exactly what I felt those years. But today, managing five businesses, I think it's, it's more and more about setting the right team, getting the right people on board, making sure you have individuals who are driven, who wants to own their own business and and take care of it as it was their own Mm. and then basically just empowering them in that every day and making sure that they feel again wanted needed appreciated and also listened to women in leadership brought to you by heron code Welcome back to the Herring Code Women in Leadership podcast, where every season, honestly, I know I say this every time, but it seems to be getting better and better. We're joined by individuals from all different walks of life, all different industries, all different learnings and things that you can take away from this podcast is really key and important to us. So keep with us because we have even more greatness coming your way. Today in this episode, I'm joined by Mede Hipschman who is uh, an international CEO for five American global indulgence and casual dining businesses and brands across the Middle East and Africa. She does a lot. She wears a lot of hats. And she has previously received the prestigious President's Award within McDonald's, which has given her top 1% performers out of 1.7 million people globally. If that doesn't tell you enough, I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. We're going to get straight into the conversation because... Mede, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. How are you? Thank you. I'm wonderful. <laughs> we, what I, what I wish we did was press record a lot earlier on. We've had some great conversations already before we've even started this recording. So I can already tell you all you're in for a treat. Um, I would love to learn more about you, not just personally, but professionally as well, which we'll definitely get into a bit later on in, in the podcast. It's so interesting because we already spoke about it you've had quite a journey. You're quite a nomad. (laughs) You know, you have experienced so much as an individual, as a human being, but as a professional as well. Born and raised in Denmark, moved around Europe, you moved to the US, you are now, you know, taking control of the Middle East and Africa. How was it? I want to take you back to the beginning because Denmark, an open-minded, great, social place to be for a young individual with dreams and ambitions. How was that for you? Is, was that really reflective of what I just said? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, growing up in Denmark is very free. I mean, uh, I've always felt, uh, and it comes back to your parents, I think, a lot as well, right? They, they kind of empower you and endorse you. But I felt like my childhood was very much like a playground where you could tests everything. I grew up on a farm where uh, we had motorcycles, we had horses, we, you know, built the tree houses. Um, and I, I just remember Denmark being a place where you could just do anything you wanted. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't a lot of supervision when I was a kid. So independency and kind of 
growing. I was the middle child of four children. So wow. I think also, you know, there wasn't a lot of time to keep uh, keep uh, an eye on you. Yeah. So I think there was early on a lot of opportunity to just go do your things and, and figure out what you wanted to do. Mm. Um, and I think that's kind of followed me uh, throughout the rest of my life, just having create that playground, you know, take life with a I would say great positivity. I like to laugh. I like to have fun with the things I do. I'm very passionate, very driven. Mm. And I think that inspires also from the Danish culture. Um, we are quite happy, positive uh, people, I would say, in yeah. general. When it comes to openness, I would say it's probably a little bit different in in, in the global world where I've worked. Uh, I think uh, in a small country like Denmark, there is certain ways of doing things uh, yeah. where I think when you, once you're exposed to a global role or come out in the world, you realize, wow, there's 10 million ways to do things. Mm -hmm. And that's what I always loved about working internationally. I probably will, well... I don't know. I might go back to a CEO position in Denmark at some point. But mm -hmm. the, I think for now, I just really enjoy uh, the diversity yes. that, that is uh, outside of Denmark as well. Mm. And I mean, as soon as you walked into the room, I was like, she's so warm. She's so approachable. And you're so easily and very just like simply confident. It's, it's, it's not an extrovert kind of in your face confidence. Were you always like that when you were younger? I think it comes a lot from my parents again. I think mm. my house was like this place where people would just drop by. Do you know that? When yeah. some, suddenly somebody was sitting in your kitchen having a coffee and, <laughs> and I said to my dad, who's that? And he said, it's somebody I met at the supermarket <laughs> today, you know. And that was kind of the, the, the style, you know, that whoever we met, we're a very curious family. Mm. Um, we, we like to hear stories. We like to see how other people think and and we like to be challenged on our own thinking and I think that comes again from my parents so naturally when I meet new people I'm very excited I mean I always like I ah, wonder what your story is or yeah. what can you bring and I think bringing that curiosity into everything you do is just a huge benefit and I'm so grateful that I have that because it it strips you down from yeah it it keeps you grounded I think also because you're just curious about what other people can teach you right um, yeah I think that's yeah it's uh, like it, it's what it's basis it's like the basis of humanity it's just getting to know the human in front of you yeah and I I just find people are so interesting mm. <laughs> I really think the minute I met you I was like wow really okay London and I'm always like <laughs> I've got to ask her about that afterwards you know uh what what's your story right so I, yeah. I immediately think like that and uh, I, I've always had it like that I've always been curious um mm. yeah well it's interesting because when we're young we have dreams right and, and we want to be a football player we want to be a ballet dancer we want to be like the biggest pop star in the world when you were dreaming what did you dream to be I, I actually don't remember, you know, sometimes mm. some people will say, oh, I always wanted to be. What I do remember is my mom telling me this story, like uh, she took me to Girl Scouts. Uh, mm -hmm. Like she really, my mom was always like, she believed that, that you should do a certain amount of things as a kid to be exposed to different things. She believed you had to try music, you had to play an instrument, you had to try Girl Scouting. She was really a fan of. I think yeah. all my siblings, we were forced to go and try <laughs> try out, you know, with with knife and uh, to create a bonfire and stuff like that. And And she always said, try it, you know, if you don't like it. You can always, but she was very keen to expose us to different things. Mm. And I think that also sparked curiosity in itself that it was okay to kind of try different things. But I just remember she took me to this 
Girl Scout place and the leader there, she kept trying to get us to do things in a very certain way. Mm. And I just remember, uh, well, I remember very little of it. I just remember that I didn't really like it. Mm-hmm. And um, my mom asked me when we were leaving, she said, so what do you think? You know, is this for you? And I was just like, no, I actually, I, I think, I think being a leader is about, uh, you know, if I said, I said to her, she said, this is her mm-hmm. quote. She said, you said, no, I don't want to be a Girl Scout unless I can be the leader. <laughs> and I was maybe eight or nine or something. And, and the expression was really because I didn't like the fact that she was trying to kind of force us to do things in a certain way. Mm. I've always really liked that I could do things my way. Mm. And I've also really liked if I could get other people to do it their way mm. and not try to force it. And I think that's been a big part of being a leader and being successful at it is kind of not trying to impose your style on others, mm. but try to let them do it their way. There's many ways to roam, as, as they say. And um, I think it's because it's such an important part of me that mm. nobody tries to restrict me or force me to do something mm. that I also really want to allow others to have that freedom. Mm. So for me, freedom and, and having that room is is uh, is huge. So I wasn't exactly when I was a kid dreaming about something certain, but I was certainly very much aware that I didn't like when people were trying to box me in or yeah. push me in a certain direction mm. that I doesn't that I wasn't necessarily ready for mm. or that I didn't want. Well, it was so it's so incredible that at that age you had that level of self-awareness. Well, yeah, and now <laughs> I have a 2-year-old daughter and she's the same and it's insane, I have to say because you want her to be independent, strong woman, but you also want to be able to live with her. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's a challenge, I would say. So I'm yeah. really trying not to restrict her style. Mm. But then again, of course, trying to make sure she's not impossible to be around. Yeah, <laughs> of course. And I can imagine maybe my mother had the same challenge with me sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I can. And so then talk to me about your approach to education. What was your route then if if you didn't know what you wanted yeah. to become, I guess, essentially? Yeah, I, I was actually searching a lot in the beginning. And then um, I heard about this place. Um, it was the media uh, School for Media and Journalism where they had like a commercial education and commercial branding and communication. Mm. And I don't know how I came across it, but I was just infatuated with it. I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be creative. Yeah. I'm going to be somebody who does advertisement and I'm going to understand how people think and then I'm going to create something cool that they're going to react to. So I started that school and I finished it. But by the time I um, I finished, I was already starting with McDonald's at that time. Mm-hmm. And McDonald's was, was a place where there's quite a structure behind uh, talent management. So every time... I was thinking, oh, I was just going to be at McDonald's for a couple of years, you know, just early on, and then maybe I'll move on. But then every time I was a little bit like looking for a new challenge, they would always tap my shoulder like, how about this? Mm. You could also do this. You could also. So I ended up pretty much doing everything at McDonald's wow. um, and ended up in the end working for for the global team. And it was such a journey. I mean, mm. I, I never would have dreamt what would have come out of that. And I think that's really the beauty of those large organizations. They have a lot of challenges. They have a lot of different things you can do. You're never bored. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I, I think we, we solved some great things while I was there. So uh, I think just being part of that was super cool. 
What so. do you what do you think it was that kept you there? Because you know, to feel valued is super important. What it sounds like is them tapping you on the shoulder to keep you. They wanted you for, I'm sure, many reasons as to why you're so amazing. But what kept you there? I learned something there that has benefited me for the rest of my career. Mm -hmm. And it's this actually making people feel wanted. Mm -hmm. And that was exactly what I felt those years. And of course, at some point, I was like, "Okay, now I need to, <laughs> I need to move on." Yeah. But but um, but for 13 years, I was there doing all kinds of different things. I had seven different bosses, um, and uh, and they were all really good mm. and making you feel important and necessary and needed. Mm. And I think that's all I ever wanted was to be needed. Mm. The worst thing I think in the world is to just do. Mm-hmm. I need to do something that makes a difference for somebody. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be the entire world, but just something that actually makes a difference mm-hmm. and a real difference, a tangible difference. And um, I think just having that feeling, both seeing very visible results as I was there uh, with everything we achieved, both uh, for people's development, but also for the business uh, results. I think that was just amazing. And um, yeah, I think it's so important, this piece that, what role do I fill? What, why am I here? And how can you as a leader really make people feel that they're needed? Because uh, they are. Mm. You know, you don't have a team for nothing. You, you are there to really make sure that everybody can contribute with their strength. Mm. Right? And I think that's what McDonald's did very well. It's systematic. It's part of the culture. It's, um, it's an attitude with with them yeah yeah because you know just as a as a basic human all you ever want is to be seen and heard that is 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 literally that in simple terms and that further expands to feeling valued within a within a company and in a professional setting what else do you think it takes to be a good leader what are the characteristics what is the mindset what is the perspective that you think is important yeah i used to think it was about skills mm. but actually what i've learned is and and also what I've learned from other leaders is, is more and more that it's more about how you approach people and it's how you facilitate certain things. So for me today, it of course depends a little bit on the leadership level you're at. But today, managing five businesses, I think it's, it's more and more about setting the right team, getting the right people on board, making sure you have individuals who are driven, who want to own their own business and and take care of it as it was their own mm. and then basically just empowering them in that every day and making sure that they feel again wanted needed um appreciated and also listened to mm-hmm. and respected right that mm. you uh, respect their input you respect their decisions and you endorse and back it mm-hmm. and i think of course sometimes you you don't agree with the direction but ultimately sometimes and I might make a different call. But um, overall, I find it very much listening to the team, listening to the direction that they set and just empower that mm. and go all in on that. Yeah. And they usually know more. I don't have, you know, uh, insight into all the details of, of everything that happens. They have more. Mm. And the further down in a system or an organization you go, the more information they have. So listening to the people who are in the restaurants every day, understanding that's where I spend a lot of my time visiting stores, um, understanding what they think, what 
do they believe the customers or our guests are looking for? What is it that we should do differently? And that's kind of something I take back and and see if I can then incorporate that input into the teams and make sure we we hit the right direction, right? Mm. But um, for me as a leader, it's very much facilitating, clearing the road. I firmly believe in servant leadership and the principles around that. I It wasn't until years later I read about it where I thought, actually, maybe that's how I work. Mm-hmm. I, I'm more of a, how do I help you succeed? And how can I clear the road and roadblocks wherever I can uh, to make sure that you can just run ahead and and do your thing. Mm. And that's the best part. I've always been such an emotional uh, leader. I'm I'm kind of the one who cries every time somebody <laughs> succeeds with something and it's super inappropriate <laughs> in a professional context and I think especially here in the Middle East people are quite tough. Yeah. But but uh, I'm such an emotional person and if somebody succeeds with something or I think it's also about giving the credit to the mm. individual who who made the effort and not stand there and, you know, uh, we're a team. No, sometimes it's, it was actually that person who made a significant difference and, and honoring that. And then I think being a leader is also then when things go wrong is actually you take the responsibility. Mm. And I think that's my biggest job, making sure that things don't go wrong and um, and just endorse um, the good thinking that the team brings. And um, so I think it's and this was a leader I had early on in my career. And he gave me this advice, you know, when when uh, when things go well, give the credit to the people who deliver it. Mm-hmm. And when things go badly, you own it. You mm. own it. I think it's so beautiful to hear that every kind of leader that you had, the seven that you spoke about in particular within McDonald's, I believe it was, that they were great leaders and they knew what they were doing. So what you were doing was observing and wanting to implement the best bits of them for when you became a leader and to pass it on, I guess. It's a cycle. I've always struggled with bosses and managers. I've never had, a, I can never, I can't sit here and tell you I've had a, ever had a good boss. I've always, so what I've learned is It what, is rare. Right, yeah, it, it is. is. I and, know I was lucky. Yeah, yeah incredibly. Yeah. And so what I've learned is what not to do you learn what to do. Interesting. So how important is that cycle for you to pass on your, would you say, is it skills or is it leadership characteristics to others? I think it's a mindset, right? Mm. It's an attitude. It's a, it's a way of thinking around people. And, and I think I really do that. Yeah, I pass it on. And, uh, and I mean, it's not that I haven't had a a bad boss. I've had that as well, but usually there was some reason for it. Mm. I could understand either they were under a pressure or there was something going on that I could kind of detach from myself. Right. And I think that's the important thing. Sometimes you will see if you struggle with with a relationship, it's usually because they struggle with something and it it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with you. Mm -hmm. Of course, sometimes it does and then you have to own it. You have to uh, fix it if there's a problem. Um, But I think… yeah, I was very lucky. And, and I had a professor once in mm. when I was studying my master's. He said, people, you're now about to enter the real world. You know, it was when we were graduating. Mm. He said, um, just one advice. Choose your bosses very carefully. Wow. And he was so spot on. And that's what I've done ever since. I've been very careful with who I decide to work for. Mm. And I think sometimes my bosses thought they were interviewing me. <laughs> but actually, I was interviewing them. 
And I think it's just as important when you go into a job interview is to understand who's the human being you're sitting in front of. And I think mm-hmm. it, co- it comes as a surprise for some mm-hmm. uh, when they start within a business and then, whoa, that person was very different than what I expected. So I actually invest a lot of time into interviewing that person and understanding who they are also. And I was very lucky when I came here to the Middle East, I was invited here by the company mm-hmm. and I got to spend two, three days here. And just basically interviewing the entire leadership team. So wow. uh, for me, that was just amazing because then you really understand what you're stepping into. And yeah. that made the decision uh, much easier, I would say. That's so interesting. So next time I, I do an interview, I should interview who's interviewing me. Yes. Yeah, it's a two-way. Absolutely. And it's because I, um, a colleague of mine, she shared the other day, it's like, your boss is more important than your um, family doctor. I think she said, <laughs> you know, the, the impact on your health and, and how you feel every day and how you, how you um, enter the world every day is very much, much determined by your boss. So mm-hmm. I think it's a huge obligation we have as leaders. Mm-hmm. And um, I take that very seriously. And I, I've also tried to be miserable and know how that feels. So if we can help other people not feel like that, I think that's very powerful. Mm. And of course, I have some days where I mess up and then I apologize. And I think that's the other big piece of be- about being a leader. It's okay to make mistakes. I do it all the time. Yeah. Uh, hopefully I learn. And uh, But as long as you can come back and say, oh, sorry about that. I, yeah. I didn't mean to. And I think having that self-insight is very important. And I definitely got that from my mom. Thank you, yeah. mom. <laughs> Thanks, mom. For, Shout out for to mom. giving me empathy <laughs> <laughs> to, to be able to say I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think, um, yeah, choose your bosses wisely. That's yeah, true. That's... And, it, and I heard that from a lot of people, actually, what you just shared, that, mm. that it's not necessarily… Um, Easy of, at yeah. all. See, specifically, I'm in the media industry and it's a very male dominated industry. I started in radio where being a woman on the radio, I was on a national radio show and being a woman was said to be kind of like the side entity. And it was always the man's name and the woman's name as a like tag along end. The woman on radio was always meant to be the girl who just laughs at the guy's jokes, you know, and who (laughs) kind of validates him on air and makes sure he's seen as the funniest and biggest, most amazing thing. Luckily, on the show I was on, I was with an individual called JJ who was amazing and saw that it was 50-50. But my point being that I came up in an industry that was really tough to be a woman. And so my question to you is, how was that on the come up for you? What were experiences or moments that you can share with us and our listeners um, that were quite prominent in your, in your career and in your journey? Yeah, in a lot of situations, I've been the, the only woman, part of a team or um, I sometimes compare it like if you had a dinner at home and you were to invite some people, you would never invite all men, right? No, definitely <laughs> You wouldn't not. sit there with all men. I mean, I love men. Yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong, but I, I think diversity just brings so much more fun. Mm-hmm. So I would say I tend to get a little bit bored when it's just this all-male setup. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of similar thinking, a lot of the same mindset, a lot of the same methods. And honestly, the method we've used so far isn't that great. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. There's war. The world isn't doing so great. Uh, Childcare is getting worse. You know, I, the welfare state in Denmark, as we we call it, is under pressure. Mm-hmm. It's it's not you know it's not that our leadership hasn't taken us far, but in my mind, heading a bit over a cliff, mm. uh, where we're not really watching out what benefits us anymore as human beings. Mm. 
So I think fresh thinking, fresh methods into leadership is very important. And um, I have to say that's still a challenge for us. A lot of the teams I've stepped into, I felt were male dominated. And um, even though they were super nice and respectful, there was always usually also a couple of them who from the minute even before they met me didn't like me mm-hmm. and they didn't think I should be there. Right. Yeah. And that feeling is never good, but it's always there. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to be honest about it. For some years, I was kind of in denial, you know, no, no, I can do anything, you know. But there is some sort of degree of people who doesn't think women should be in leadership. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe firmly that they are the dinosaurs. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's just a question of when they get in- extinct, mm-hmm. uh, in my mind, because uh, the world is changing fast. I wish it could be faster mm-hmm. for women. And I think it's still a huge challenge. I, th- I believe in quotas, mm-hmm. you know, and start firming it up. Uh, and uh, really pushing that agenda is, is important now to get that diversity. Mm-hmm. And it's because we need it desperately. Yeah. Not just for business performance. So statistically, uh, female-led companies do better than male-led companies. So there's no excuse for the performance-wise. That's one thing. But I don't care that much about that. Mm-hmm. What I care about is the planet and my kids. Mm-hmm. And what is the future that we're leaving them with right now? And I don't see how the current leadership can solve that problem. Mm-hmm. I really don't. We're stuck. Mm-hmm. There's nobody um, nowhere, even when I worked in Europe, when I worked in U.S., when I worked here, who is really thinking about changing for the environment, for the planet, for our kids' future. And I think we're leaving awful lot up to innovation or things that will come from the side that will save us all. I think we're taking too many risks and too many chances. I think we need to change really fast. Mm. And that's what I hope women will bring. Mm. That's why I'm fighting for for that. Because I believe, and I think it was actually Robert Downey Jr. who recently said in an interview, he wished there was a matriarchy Mm. in the world. Because he said he cannot believe that we would ever allow war. And I I tend to agree with him. I don't, I think very, very few women would see that as a solution. Mm. And I think we would be scared of it. And Mm. I think we wouldn't go to those measures. I could be wrong, but I think at least a balance would benefit all. Mm. So fresh thinking, instead of this going over the cliff, Thelma and Louise style kind of (laughs) uh, denial, denial about what we're doing. We're in trouble. And Mm. uh, that's where women will will make a difference in Mm. leadership. So then what do you think we should do as women? Is it a case of women not trying to fit into this system that is already created to make us fail? Are we creating our own system? Are we just doing what you did, which is at the time, just accept what it is and just try and go along with it coast until it's our time? What are we doing? What should we do? Yeah, I mean, what I love to see is female entrepreneurs. I think some of those females who really struggle with mm-hmm. fitting into that system that's made to make us fail, I would agree to that to a certain extent. Yeah. I don't think a lot of women thrive in the way we do, uh, we work today. Mm-hmm. I think it's, again, too narrow-minded, too, too singular, too one method. I think a lot of women would prefer a different way. And I think that's what we should stand for. I don't think we should try to fit in or, you know... I always hear this, you know, if you want a seat at the table, you have to do X, Y, Z, and Z. I don't care. I don't want a seat at your table. I want a seat at our table. I Mm -hmm. want something that makes sense for me as well. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's what I love about 
I think those females who really get hurt by the systems, they start their own businesses, they jump out and do that. I wish they didn't have to, mm. but hopefully that will, of course, bring new companies that think differently, that are able to provide more of, of that diversity. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. I think that will that will change it. But I hopefully also see more and more corporations take more responsibility to drive women. It's too slow. That's where I think quotes come in. And mm -hmm. then I think it will solve our problem. But uh, there is some countries, unfortunately, that's still going backwards. That's what I li like about being in the Middle East right now. It's mm -hmm. going one way. Yeah. And it's going forward. Mm -hmm. And just I'm doing a lot of business opening new uh, business in Saudi right now. And um, just the feeling of being there from what, what it was to what it is now. Mm-hmm. In such a short time, making so big progress for women and their freedom, ability to speak, work, listen to music, you know, yeah. all of that stuff is is moving so fast, dress uh, mm -hmm. differently, uh, and I think uh, as they want, and I think that is so beautiful to experience. Unfortunately, that's not the case in everywhere. You see a lot of countries today where it's going backwards for mm -hmm. women, and, mm -hmm. uh, and that's scary. That's mm -hmm. super scary. So I think we can lean on the progress here and and hopefully that will inspire even more absolutely but i think it comes back to us supporting each other mm -hmm. and really sticking together and um i'm so happy when you said oh you seem so warm because i think that's what we should give to each other that warmth that mm -hmm. feeling like i'm okay the way i am and the problem is if you as a woman want to become a leader or trying to beat that system or play the game or whatever the problem with, with the system today is it might make you feel like you're wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's something I want to say to every woman. You're not wrong. They're wrong. The system is wrong. Mm. The method is wrong. There is a million ways to do things. And you can do it your way. You just have to be creative. We have to figure this out. And we can help each other, right? Mm. But don't ever... Let that system of patriarchy mm -hmm. or the way business is done today uh, with very few women ever make you believe like you're not good enough. Mm. Because there is nothing that you cannot do that they can do. Yeah. And I think even if you speak to some of the, there was this uh, CEO in the U.S. I can't remember her name right now. Mm -hmm. But she's, you know, she's met all the big guys, you mm -hmm. know, <laughs> Warren Buffett, all of, of uh, the presidents, mm -hmm. all of them. And she said, but it's not, they're not. <laughs> yeah. She expected like these miracle people who just were magically more skilled or more, you know, or just, you know, and they're not. Mm. They're just like the rest of us, right? And I think yeah. that's the important thing to tell each other. The person above you or your manager or somebody they're not more skilled than you. Mm -hmm. They might have more access to resources. They might have more power in that sense of their position, but they're not more skilled than you. You can do the exact same thing. Mm. And I'm the proof of that for sure, because I'm just the common girl from the farm <laughs> in, in little Denmark. And I think it's just, yeah, I think that's the important message to tell people that you're not wrong. Mm. The system is wrong. Yeah. And and we can beat it together. Mm. Um, yeah. And, and lastly, I, I want to know, you touched on your two-year-old earlier. Mm. Uh, you're a mother. You're, you're a wife. You, you wear many hats and you take on many roles. So for you, when your daughter is grown up and she's in, inshallah, her most dream position ever that she wants to be in personally and professionally, 
What do you hope the world looks like for women in leadership and in business? I really hope that it's a place where you can be you, right? Where, where you don't have to pretend or cut corners or act a certain way or be a certain way, but really where you can just bring your best to work. Mm. And I think it requires a form of leadership where you really see the individuals and where you really protect the individual's individual strength mm. and utilize that within a team and being aware of that. And I think that requires a certain type of leadership that I think is not quite developed broadly today, but hopefully it's coming with more modern leadership uh, mm. thinking. So I hope it's a place where she can just yeah, be herself and not constantly feel restricted or, or in any way having to pretend. And I think you can. You just have to find those spaces already now. You can. Mm -hmm. But that's my hope for the future. And I think it comes from diversity. It comes from being a room full of different people. I always found in global roles when there was a lot of different nationalities where a lot of different thinkers, I immediately always felt more comfortable. Mm -hmm. They are the proof that there's so many ways to roam. We're all here, but we all come from a million, million different places, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that gives such a freedom uh, in, in the way we act and, and treat each other. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. And it's a beautiful note to end on. I've enjoyed this conversation so much. I feel like we could probably go on for hours. We probably will after we stop recording. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. And I really do hope the world looks like that one day. I'll pray for it. <laughs> I really do too. Uh, we have some work to do. We do. We do. But if, if you're in the leadership roles and leading the next generation, I think, I think we're in good hands. So thank you so much for your I'll time. I'll try my best. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Women in Leadership brought to you by Heron Code. <laughs>